Scripture reading this morning will be read from 2 Corinthians 13.5. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Good morning and welcome again. We are very grateful for your presence today, as always. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. We have a good number here today. It is our prayer that we will benefit from our time together. We're grateful for the opportunity that we have to worship God, to enjoy fellowship with his people, and to be strengthened in the faith. We're gonna be looking in just a moment at 2 Corinthians chapter 13 at verse five. We're gonna be talking about the theme, examine yourselves. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the passage that Austin read a moment ago, Paul here said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Sometimes it's good for us to sit down and maybe take inventory of where we are spiritually. I know in corporations, many times, as the year draws to an end, corporate leaders will sit down and they will reflect back over the year, and they will look at their strengths and their weaknesses. They will also look at their employees, and they will evaluate them. They'll decide the strengths and weaknesses of their employees, and typically they will give their employees what is called a review. Well, spiritually speaking, sometimes it's good for us to sit down and take inventory of where we are in our relationship to the Lord. It's always good for us to try to determine where we are in our relationship to God. Are we on track? Are we, are we where we ought to be as God's people? And so I want us to look at this passage of scripture. There are really two things I want us to do. First of all, I want to note the exhortation, the admonition. And as you look at the exhortation or the admonition, it's really simply this, examine yourselves. And so what we're talking about is self-analysis. And so we wanna do that in a very candid way. And there are some things that maybe we ought to consider as we think about this particular lesson and this point. First of all, I wanna suggest that there is what might be called the personal nature of the analysis. Paul would say, examine yourselves. We're not talking about our neighbor. We're not talking about our children, our grandchildren, our mother, our father. We're not talking about our mate, we're talking about self. And so in a very personal way, I need to look at this admonition, at this exhortation. And then secondly, there is what might be called the honesty of the analysis. It's not gonna do us any good if we're not honest and candid with ourselves. We have to be willing to look ourselves in the mirror, so to speak. We've got to see our flaws, our failures, and then also we've got to be able to evaluate our strengths, the things that we're doing right, 
the things that we do which would be classified as good. In Luke chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus talked about the seed of the kingdom. And he talked about that seed that would fall on honest and good hearts. That's what we're talking about here. Having an honest heart, an honest evaluation. I want to be able to sit down and honestly evaluate my life in light of what God in his word has said. Now as we talk about the honesty of the analysis, I would submit unto you that not only must we be honest, not only must this analysis be personal in nature, but there is what again might be called the criterion for making the analysis. What is the criterion? Well, there's only one criterion that I know of that will adequately enable me to see myself for what I am, and that's the Word of God. We're not talking about comparing ourselves with ourselves, as Paul would talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 12. We're not talking about comparing ourselves with our neighbor, with our mate, with our children, with our grandparents, with anyone but rather we're talking about looking at, at our lives in light of what God in his word has said. James talks about in James chapter one, the individual who would look into the perfect law of liberty. That is the mirror of the soul. When you and I in a very honest and personal way look into the word of God, and we evaluate our lives in light of what God has said, then we can determine where we stand in our relationship to the Lord. And so here's the question we want to ask at the onset of our study. How do I measure up to the standard that has been revealed in Scripture? I want you to think in a very personal and honest way. How do you measure up? How do I measure up? It's not going to do me any good if I'm thinking about somebody else, but it will do me some good if I think about my own life in light of what God has said in his word. Listen again to what Paul said, examine yourselves. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, there were some who were, who were really taking him to task with regard to his apostleship. They were trying to determine his credibility. Well, Paul had the credentials to be an apostle. And what these people needed to do was take inventory of their own lives. And so that's where we are. We need to take inventory of where we stand. Now, we're at the close of this year. If the Lord allows us to live, we will see 2012. But sometimes it's good to come to the end of the year and take inventory. Just, just be honest and evaluate where you stand. So I've got 10 questions I want to ask. And really these questions are yes or no. And so let's begin by first of all asking this question. Is Jesus my life? I want you to think about that very carefully. Is Jesus my life? I'm not talking about is Jesus a part of your life? Is he a portion of your life? Is he some of your life? But rather, is Jesus my life? 
In Colossians chapter 3 at verse 4, Paul in that context talks about how those of us who have been baptized into Christ, we are to set our mind, set our affection on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4 he said, For when Christ who is our life, Really what Paul is saying there is, as a child of God, Jesus is to be my life. We sing the song from time to time, he is my everything. Is he your everything? Is Jesus the summation of your life? And so, is Jesus my life, yes or no? A second question. Do I put spiritual things ahead of material and physical things? Now in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now it's very easy for us in the world in which we live to get caught up in what might be called the mundane things of life. And sometimes our values get distorted. Sometimes our perception is skewed. Sometimes we may think we're looking at things one way when in fact we're not. And so are you putting spiritual things ahead of physical and material things? And that is a yes or no question. Either you are or you are not. Now if you look at Matthew 6.33, when Jesus said seek first, that word first means before anything else. It means first in time, in place, in importance. Is Jesus first in your life? Do I put spiritual things ahead of material and physical things? Yes or no? Do I put, do I put the things of God before others, before other things? Here's another question. Have I grown as a Christian this year? To me, this is a difficult question. Some of the questions that we ask may be more difficult than others, and I really believe that each and every question carries its own weight. I'm not necessarily saying that any one question is any more important than the other. I think they are all equally important. But I want you to honestly and candidly ask the question, have I grown as a child of God in 2011? If you have not grown as a Christian over this past year, let me ask the question, why? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Spiritual growth is not an option. It is an obligation. In 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 18, Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You and I, we are commanded to grow. We are expected to grow. If we're not growing, something is not right. Something is amiss in our lives. Now, one of the byproducts of spiritual growth, read Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. One of the byproducts of my spiritual growth is I'm able to make a distinction, a discernment between good and evil, between right and wrong, between truth and error. So, have I grown as a Christian this year? Here's another question. 
Do I study and meditate on God's word daily? Do I study and meditate on God's word daily? Not weekly, not bi-weekly, not monthly, not every other day, but do I study and meditate on the truth of God every day? Now the Bible tells us that the ancient psalmist that he meditated on the law of the Lord both day and night. That tells me here was a man of the book. Here was a man that spent his time reading, studying, meditating the truths of Almighty God. There is a correlation between your spiritual growth and your study of the Word of God. You cannot grow spiritually if you're not spending time in this book. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Many of us eat three square meals a day. We understand the importance of eating a balanced diet. But do we understand the importance of feeding on the truth of God each and every day? The psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Do you find yourself reading, studying, and meditating on the truth of God daily? Yes or no? Here's another question. Is my prayer life what it ought to be? Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 verse 1 that men ought to always pray and not to think. Prayer is a tremendous blessing to those of us who belong to the family of God. Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil in 1 Peter 3 verse 12. It is a tremendous privilege to go to God in prayer. There is not only the privilege of prayer, but the power of prayer. We have the ears of Almighty God at our beck and call. We can approach his throne day or night, seven days a week. The question is, do we avail ourselves of, of the blessings of prayer? If you're not praying on a daily basis, if you're not regularly praying to God, something is amiss in your life. Now think about it this way. God communicates unto us through his word. We communicate to God by prayer. It is a two-way street. So the question is, does God ever hear from you? If you're a parent and your children are grown and gone from home, you want to hear from them, don't you? Well, God the Father wants to hear from you. Why? Because you're his child. If God the Father does not hear from you regularly, something is not right. The psalmist said, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. So, is your prayer life what it ought to be? Here's another question. Am I regular in my attendance to worship and Bible study? I want to ask that again. Am I regular in my attendance to worship and Bible study? Worship affords us the opportunity of bowing in the presence of Almighty God. We have the opportunity to come to corporate worship Sunday morning and Sunday night. We have the opportunity of being together on Wednesday night for Bible study. They used to call it prayer meeting. If you're not in services, what does that say? I cannot stress to you enough the importance of being regular in your worship to Almighty God. 
Now, I want you to just think back over this past week. It's interesting that sometimes we pick and choose what we want to attend or not attend. It may be the case that you were involved in secular activities Thursday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, maybe even Wednesday night. Or it may have been the case that Wednesday night you said, I'm too tired, I can't go to worship, can't go to Bible study, my children are tired, they've, they've had a long day at school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You make all these excuses, then Thursday night comes, on Wednesday night you can't go to Bible study because of those excuses, but then Thursday night comes and you want to go do something with the family. Now let me just ask this question. Does that sound logical? I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective. If you're what you ought to be, you will be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's not a matter of do I have to. It's really a matter of I want to. It's about the heart. And if you read Hebrews chapter 10, there is a correlation between apostasy and those who were not attending worship services like they should have been. So again, I ask this question, am I regular in my attendance to worship and Bible study? Let me say this too. If you are a parent and you have, and you have small children, and you make time for their ball games and their plays and their school activities and this activity and that activity, and when Wednesday night Bible study comes, you don't attend. When Sunday night worship rolls around, you're not present. What does that say to your children? Let me tell you what it says to your children. I want you to please listen very carefully. It says to your children, it is not important. Do you hear what I'm saying? You are saying it is not important. Now you can try to cut it any way you want to cut it, but that's just the hard truth of the matter. We do what we want to do. The elders of this congregation, they want you to be here. They expect you to be here. Why? Because they have been entrusted with your spiritual welfare. And they understand there is a correlation in your attendance and your relationship to God. Here's another question. Can people see Christ living in me? When people see us on the street, do they see Christ living in us? Personally, can people see Christ living in you? When Paul wrote to the saints in Galatia, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, that is in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul lived a Christ-centered life. And I really believe that when you, when you looked at the life of the Apostle Paul, you saw a Christ-like person. Paul would say to the church at Corinth, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Christ was the standard. And Paul sought to his very best to live by that standard. And then number eight. Is my example what it ought to be? Now let that sink in for a moment. Is my example what it ought to be? 
Jesus said we are to be the salt of the earth in Matthew 5, 13. In verse 16, he said we are to be the light of the world. When people see me, what do they see? What, what does my example say to others? What, what kind of speech do I use? How do I conduct myself on the job, in the community, on the ball field, at school, wherever I may go from time to time? What do people see? Do they see a child of God? Paul would say, let no one despise your youth, but be an example, to, example of the believers in word and in your manner of life. That is, in word and deed. What do they need to see, Paul? They need to see a faithful child of God. They need to see a Christian example. So is my example what it ought to be. And then number nine, am I involved in the work of the church? Am I involved in the work of the church? The work of the church, evangelism, edification, and benevolence. What am I doing as a part of the body of Christ here? Listen, it's great to be a member of the body of Christ. It's great to come to worship. But there's more to Christianity than just coming to worship. There are some folks that have the idea that the church is nothing more than worship. It's much more than worship. And so... We're not just a worshiping society, but rather we are a working congregation. So am I involved in the work of the church? Either yes or no. I'm either involved or I'm not involved. I'm either involved in evangelizing, edifying, and helping others, or I'm not. It's that easy. And then here is the last question. I want this to really sink in. Think about this very soberly. If I died today, would I go to heaven? If I died today, would I go to heaven? I want, you to, I want you to honestly, honestly think about that question. If I died today, if somebody were to ask me, if you died today, will you go to heaven? What would you say, yes or no? There's no gray area here. There, there's, I mean, there's no way we can, we can answer this question in any other way than by saying either yes I'm going to heaven or I'm not going to heaven. We have to be honest and candid enough with ourselves to say, you know what, I'm not going to heaven. I know it. I know if I died today, I don't have one prayer. Let me tell you what. You can look back over these 10 questions. I think about when I was in school. If you had 10 questions, each question carried 10 points, didn't it? If you missed more than three questions, where I went to school, you failed. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to say whether or not you passed or failed, but I'm saying this. If you can't answer yes to these questions, you've got some serious problems. You're on perilous grounds. I don't want you to leave here today thinking you're okay if you're not okay. If your life is not what it ought to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want you walking out of here today thinking, you know what, everything's okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Hey, that's not the way it is. If you died today, would you go to heaven? In an assembly this size, I would imagine that there would be any number of people that the hard, plain truth of the matter is, you know, if you died today, you wouldn't have one prayer. Now we talk about hell and we talk about punishment and we talk about believing in heaven and believing in hell and this kind of stuff. 
But sometimes I wonder if we really do. Two things strike me. Either we don't believe what God has said in his word or we don't care. And I'm not sure which is worse. Either we don't believe it or we don't care. And I guess they go hand in hand. Very quickly, the evaluation, the assessment. What is my standing with the Lord? Listen again to what Paul said. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Now we can talk about our personal faith and that system of faith. The system of faith is what produces personal faith. So two, two things here. Number one, I am in good standing with the Lord. I'm confident. I am assured. I am in good standing with the Lord. That's where I stand today. These are the two possibilities. I am in good standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am fervent. I am faithful. And I am fruitful. Paul said, not lagging in service, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Does that typify you? Paul said that we're to be fervent in spirit. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Does that typify you? Jesus said, be faithful until death and the promise being, I'll give you a crown of life. Is that you? So number one, Unequivocally, you can say today, I am in good standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, I am not in good standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've evaluated my life. I've come to the conclusion, look, I'm not in good standing. On the one hand, I understand I'm a faithful child of God. I make mistakes. When I make mistakes, I acknowledge those mistakes. I repent. I try to do better. I ask God to forgive me, and I move forward, understanding that the blood of Christ is cleansing me from all sin. On the other hand, I'm now acknowledging that I am weak, I am wayward, and I am a worldly child of God. Or, I am a worldly person who's never obeyed the gospel, and I stand condemned by the Lord. Is that you? Only two possibilities. Either I'm in good standing with the Lord, or I am weak, wayward, and worldly, and stand condemned by the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 41. Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I promise you, you do not want to hear Jesus say to you, Depart. You do not want the Lord Jesus Christ identifying you as cursed. You cannot imagine the horrors of being lost. Now, we read about it in Scripture, and we talk about it, and I think sometimes it just rolls right off our backs. I want you to honestly and candidly ask yourself, what's my standing with the Lord? You've examined yourself. Now, here's the verdict. Either I'm in good standing with the Lord, or I am not in good standing with the Lord. If you're not in good standing with the Lord, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, can I candidly say to you, the Lord loves you? The Lord sent his son to die for your sins. If you miss out on heaven, it will not be because God didn't love you. 
It will not be because Jesus Christ did not go to the cross and die for your sins. It will not be because the Holy Spirit did not reveal the will of God through the Bible. It will be because you adamantly said, I'm not interested. I'm not willing to come to the Lord. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, maybe you wear the name of a Christian, but you know, after looking at those questions, you realize your life just does not, it does not, doesn't stand up to the test. Here's how we say it where I come from, it doesn't cut the mustard. You know your life doesn't cut the mustard. I don't want you leaving here today in an unsaved condition. The reason I'm pleading with you is because the Lord loves you and because I want to see you go to heaven. The Lord wants to see you go to heaven. I'm just trying to encourage you to do the right thing. So if you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, listen, we would be happy to pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon. If you've never obeyed the gospel, here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus to be the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of every sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. Rising to walk in newness of life. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Why not do it today? Please, please, do not leave here thinking, that you may have another day. You may not. I told the story the other day. I had a man, probably been 20 years or so ago. I sat down with this man on one occasion and we talked about studying the Bible. His daughter had obeyed the gospel. And he told me, he said, after the first of the year, he said, I'll be willing to, to study the Bible with you. And his daughter looked to her father and she said, she said, Daddy, if you'll obey the gospel, she said, it'd be the best Christmas present you could ever give me. He obeyed the gospel that day. He was killed in a car wreck before the first of the year. Had he not obeyed the gospel, he would be lost. Don't let that happen to you as we stand and sing.